Beauty's spring is gladness, shaming mortal skills. The words of that song you just heard. If we want to create beauty in this world, if in our work we want to produce things that are worthwhile, then the wellspring of that is to be happy and harmonious in ourselves. It's from that inner gladness that we receive the inspiration to do worthwhile things. And so today, I'm going to talk on creating harmony in the workplace. And it's a difficult subject to approach from one particular point of view, and that is that I know that I'm talking to two different types of people, those who work in an environment over which they don't have any actual control, because they aren't the boss, they're just a worker, and those who are actually creating their workplace from the start, the store owner, for example, the bookshop owner. And I recognize that a person who's working under others as merely a cog in a wheel, you might say, as far as any outward influence he might be able to exert on the workplace itself, that it's minimal. Nevertheless, even in that position, there's a great deal that we can do to bring about that kind of harmony from which um, worthwhile work and inspired work, beautiful work, flows. Now, even the thought of beautiful work may seem absurd in some context. Supposing you're working in an accountant's office, can you produce beauty or just sort of toting up large ledgers of sums? Yes, you can, because everything that we're doing in the last analysis is a human activity. There are people who are working in the most humdrum situations, positions, who actually are able to inspire other people. Even as a bookkeeper or somebody who's working with things, with figures, with something that doesn't seem to be particularly uh, related to human realities, there's still a great deal that you can do, that you can give, if you learn the principles that we want to talk about today. First, I'd like to mention that many people have the idea that the workplace is something where you work. You don't think in terms of harmony at all. Harmony is what you get when you come home. You can sit by the pool, you can read a good book, you can play with the children. But work is the place where you sacrifice all those values and only think about the dollar, only think about making uh, that contract, only think about making that sale. And uh, that's why people come home all worried and need to unwind. Well, I think that inasmuch as we spend so much of our lives in whatever place we work, that it's foolish to banish that part to Siberia and begin to live only after we get home. I think it's vitally important that our work be as much a home, a temple, a place of relaxation and fun as any place else in the world. And it can be. It's been said that nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. We should feel enthusiastic for what we do. We should love what we're doing. And people who love what they're doing and do it with their heart and enthusiasm, they are the ones who really succeed at uh, whatever it might be. I've talked to some people whose jobs were 
the sort of thing I could never imagine myself being interested in. And yet their own fascination for it made me interested. Well, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. We need to create harmony in the work workplace. We need to make that a priority in the workplace. You know, I'm going to backtrack a little bit here and talk about the nature of the stock market. I've often thought of it in relation to the medieval times when they had absentee landlordism. The noble lived, let's say, at Versailles, and he owned that castle way out in the country and all those vineyards that the peasants worked. But his interest in all of that was only what money he could get from it. Therefore, he never thought about the uh, working conditions of the peasants. He never thought about how much money they had as long as he was able to squeeze work out of them. He didn't know them as individuals. They weren't a part of his family. If that was so, it was certainly not so for all nobles, but if it was so, then the, the uh, influence that they placed upon society was certainly one of those influences, one of those attitudes that brought about, let's say, the French Revolution, because people began to complain that we need to think about our health, the health of our children, and so on. Well, the stock market is, in a way, a modern kind of absentee landlordism. Think about it. Somebody buys stock in a company, not because he's as interested in who's working in the company. He buys stock because he hopes to make a profit. He hopes that the dividends will be good. He hopes that the um, stock will go, uh, go to a higher value and that he'll be able to sell it for a profit. That's all he thinks about. That's all it means to him. And in the system that we follow, people pit capitalism against communism. I don't think those are very viable alternatives. The communists need capital to work. They're not all that far away from it, although it's not privately owned. But I think the difference is free enterprise. And free enterprise is, I think, to some extent curtailed by the capitalist system, where people at a distance are helping you to do what they want rather than what you want. I would like to see society gradually evolve to a point where the workers own their own workplace, where their work means more to them than just the profits they get out of it. Their work means harmony. Their work means the opportunity that they have to enjoy, to, to uh, have days off, to all the various things that make life more worth living company picnics and all these things become a very important part of it, that the success of a company is only partly determined in terms of profit and much more in term, determined in terms of the sheer happiness of people, the fulfillment of people working in that workplace. So from the point of view of the owner of a business, I would like to urge upon all owners to think more in these terms. If you're living if you're working in a workplace where none of that philosophy obtains, nevertheless, you can create more harmony than you may realize just by being harmonious yourself. By being a force for peace, not by entering into office gossip, not by entering into office politics, you'd be surprised how effective that can be if it is very scrupulously kept from being uh, 
done in a judgmental way. In other words, accept other people as they are. If they aren't harmonious, don't sort of like that, disapprove of their lack of living up to your ideals. Everybody has a right to find his own road, find his own way toward the peace we all want. But if you can live harmoniously in yourself, then you will find that bit by bit other people will begin to come to you for uh, comfort, for advice, for guidance. And you know, many times you'll find that you can be even a greater influence than the boss. Because ultimately people, even though they have to listen to somebody for the work they do, ultimately people will be gathered like bees gathering to flowers. They will be gathered around those people who give them what they most fully want. They'll, be, they'll gather even around somebody whose position in a job is, is uh, insignificant in an outward sense if that person is a man or a woman of deep harmony inside. So the first thing that you need to do is try to be harmonious yourself. Don't judge anyone. Just accept everyone as he or she is. I had a lovely experience that way the first time I ever visited Assisi in Italy. It's the home of St. Francis of Assisi. And I went to the Porziuncola where he used to live, pray, meditate. And I prayed to him and all of a sudden I, I felt his presence very strongly. It was a sweetness that was so intense that I hadn't ever dreamed that a human being could be so sweet. And I was just weeping for the joy of it. And then it, uh, after a while I said, please help me to understand how can it, how is it possible for a human being, for anyone to be so sweet, to have so much sweetness in his consciousness? And the answer came to me very clearly with bell-like clarity by never judging anyone by accepting all as your own brothers and sisters, by being humble, by not pushing yourself arrogantly, accepting life as it is, but above all, by never judging. And I've always remembered that it can be applied anywhere you go, and you will find that people who don't judge, who accept you as they are, not blindly, not thinking that you're better than you are, seeing you are also another brother or sister trying to reach up to that perfection that we're all striving toward and therefore accepting you as we might say a fellow student in class. Then people who have that attitude find that other people also are drawn to them. They're drawn by their acceptance, drawn by their lack of judgment. Far more important than anything else is it to remember this simple principle. If you are the owner of a business, then all the more importantly, can I say this, this point, this next point, in the community where uh, I live, it's called Ananda World Brotherhood Village near Nevada City, California, we have a principle. People are more important than things. So that if some job is needed, for example, and we need someone for that job, but we don't find anyone who would be helped by having that job, then we don't give it to him. Usually for a job like that, the candidates will be maybe only three or four. 
Well, we think about each person. Is this going to be good? Is it going to do him good? Will it strengthen him? Will it give him harmony? Is it something incompatible with his own needs? Will he grow as well as the job? Not just will he be good for the job. Sometimes we have a choice between two people. One of them's more talented for the job, the other one less so, but the job will be better for this other one, and therefore we give it to this other one. And if we find that there isn't anyone who would be helped by that job, that it might be harmful to the few people who could do it, then we just don't let, we, we just figure that it's better not to have the job. Wait, we can wait a while, because the most important thing is people. I sent somebody to uh, a center a little while ago, and he was really shocked when I told him, because he thought he was going to build the center. I said, remember, the people you have working for you, with you, are much more important than anything that you can do. If you have a harmonious team, and you fail in one project, you'll succeed in a hundred others. But if you work so hard to succeed in that one project that the team gets out of harmony and out of balance, that project may work, but a hundred others may be spoiled. The most important thing you need to do is to develop the people who are working with you. Develop them in harmony. Show them your love. Show them respect. Show them that when something goes wrong in their lives, that you take the time to care. You may think, oh, but I've got so much else to do. No, their needs right now are more important than any job you can do because their needs are what will make this, this work ultimately that bring it to that kind of success, that level of success, where anything that you all try to do just happens automatically. There's no, no difficulty in working when you're all working harmoniously in the same direction. Most of the problem with work is that people are working at cross purposes, pushing and pushing against, and so ending up in the middle. When you can learn to work with people, you draw them gradually together into a whole. I was, back when I was uh, 21, I was in a, I was, I wanted to be a playwright, and. I was working in a theater, and we had a quartet, a barbershop quartet that was a part of a play, and I was a part of this quartet. And uh, the, I, I was probably the only trained singer in the quartet, so I, I knew that what I was doing in the music. Well, these other men all had sort of, they didn't have the training, they didn't have the experience, and so they'd do something wrong, but they'd always blame somebody else. You didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. And they were fighting each other all the time. Well, I found the best thing to make it work harmoniously was to say, no, no, I'm sorry. It was my fault. And uh, as long as they had somebody to blame, it was fine. So every time I, I took the blame for it, the whole thing calmed down and they sang. And the important thing was that we sing together. It didn't matter whether one person was wrong or the other person was right. What mattered was that we sing together. Many times you'll find in your working with other people that it, it, uh, you don't lose face by taking the blame. Rather, they appreciate it. In the long run, you gain face. In the beginning, they may think, well, uh, um, why is he like this? I remember one person when I was playing volleyball and 
um, I was saying, oh dear, that was my fault. And he said, your humility is inspiring, but when will you reform? And uh, so in the same way, you don't want to take the blame too often necessarily unless you also try to reform. But the thing is that the harmony of the group is more important than anything that they are doing. Let that contract go. Don't always make the means more important than the end. The end is not the money that you make, but the total good that you can bring into the world and into people's lives. And you will only bring it to the extent that the vibrations are harmonious. When you do a good thing with disharmonious vibrations, some subtle influence of uh, evil will remain, of disharmony. Whereas if you do even something that doesn't work all that well, but do it with harmony, some good will be there. Best, of course, obviously, is to bring the two together, to work harmoniously and work well and efficiently. This is the skill of management. In fact, I've written a book called The Art of Supportive Leadership that contains many, many rules for how to bring people together so that they'll all work harmoniously on a project. Now, if you are the uh, owner of your business, then you're in a singularly fortunate position because you can make things happen that otherwise it would be much more difficult to suggest, perhaps. Don't overlook the importance of harmony in, in an outward way. Harmonious colors, harmonious sounds. You go into some uh, places and you find nothing but uh, music that sort of jars you. Make music, play music that will put people in a relaxed state of mind. Mind you, in a shop especially it's important because then when you're relaxed you're receptive and when you're receptive you're more willing to buy. Whereas if you're uh, unreceptive then you're not willing to buy, you're not willing to listen. So the important thing is to, even for the success of your, your business with customers, is to relax them, to make them receptive, to make them harmonious. To think about where you place things, how you do it, not just for profit. Think of the general atmosphere of your shop. Don't think, think in terms of the specific sale. Think of the overall vibration that when people come in, the first thought they have is, oh, what a nice place. You've been in shops like that, haven't you? And you like to go back there again and again. And naturally, if you go back, you'll buy. Harmony is really far from being sort of on the edge of anything that you need to think about when you're thinking of work. It's really a central consideration. It's from a heart of harmony that you will be able to produce as well as you possibly can produce all levels of products, of activity, of services.